37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 110 of Pixelated Paranormal. How's everybody doing? Eh, not. <laughs> Tired of this weather. It's either, either too hot, too humid, too wet, too bullshit. How hot is it, Steve? It's so hot I got sweat in my balls, sweat in my crack. Pretty fucking much. I'll tell you how hot it is. Our AC quit working. Lines froze Damn. up. Yeah, lines froze up. We got it back up and running now, uh, somewhat. And it's then, son of a bitch, guys, gonna come out tomorrow and just make sure we have enough free on because we haven't had the free on service since we lived in the house. And it's yeah. been about six years. So, well, should we waste any more time or should we get into it? Let's jump right in. I don't know if you saw it, but I'm gonna kick things off with the news by telling you tonight at midnight, Missy Elliott's dropping some new music. Yeah, a full CD or just a song? Uh, I don't know. She dropped she it like a at, <laughs> She tweeted about nine hours ago and said, At midnight tonight, I'm dropping a collection of new songs. Let's hashtag throw it back to a time when music just felt good and made us want to dance. Awesome. Hashtag iconology. So, hell yeah. I'm That's it, boy. Shut her that. down. Let's get off of here. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited, dude. Hopefully it's in a whole album, but uh, if not, you know, I'll take a couple songs. She's back in the day when ladies were classy. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. All right, cool. Well, I'll start the news off, boys, real quick here with a news article I found from West Palm Beach, Florida. Fake news. No, this sounds terrible. A New York couple's luxurious vacation house in Florida has just been taken over by a dozen of black vultures that are vomiting and defecating everywhere. Oh, <laughs> I, I read this article. I um, oh, I was going to do it last show, but you were like, real news articles, serious news. So I was like, nope, can't do vultures oh, vomiting. Oh, no, I, was, I just meant real news. I didn't, didn't have to be serious. <laughs> news never has to be serious, just real. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and correction, it's not a dozen, it's dozens, it's it's plural. The Palm Beach Post reports that the Casamano family can't even visit their vacation home valued at $702,000 that they purchased earlier this year on the Country Club golf course. They describe the smell as something like a thousand rotting corpses. Mm. The vultures Ugh. have destroyed screen enclosures, and they've overtaken the pool and the barbecue. Hey, you know, real quick, I, I'm willing yeah. to bet that that's how Skittles' new zombie flavor tastes. <laughs> oh, my God. Gross. <laughs> oh, nasty. The vultures have destroyed screen enclosures, have to overtaken the pool. The few times a family has visited, they've had to park their car in the garage or the birds peck at them with their razor-sharp beaks. One neighbor, Mr. Katz, tells the post that, oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Katz, whoopsie nuggets, Mrs. Katz tells the post she's got it even worse because she lives next door to a person who's actively feeding the vultures and other wildlife. Back in May, she said the vultures told a horror, 
Back in May, she says the vultures tore a hole through her pool enclosure and then couldn't find their way back out. Imagine 20 vultures trapped, biting each other, and they can bite through bones. They would bang against my windows, running away from whatever bird bit them or was attacking them. Blood was everywhere. It was vile, vicious, and traumatic. It was also Memorial Day weekend, so nobody she called would come help her because everybody's off for the day. Uh, everybody's off for the holiday. Finally, three police officers arrived and helped shoo away the vultures. And now this is even more serious because Miss Katz has chronic lymphomatic leukemia. So it leaves her very vulnerable to infections. So just imagine, you know, trying to keep your house as clean as possible. Meanwhile, a bunch of cartoon vultures are just puking everywhere. Ugh. And, you know, the reason why the vultures uh, puke and shit on themselves is because they don't have a self-cooling system like other mammals do. Um, so to help in, you know, the fact that their, um, their, their neck is exposed and all that to help keep their body cooled down. They actually sit in a pile of their own shit and vomit to help regulate their body temperature. The more, you know, the more, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not, so it's not their fault. It's not like they're disgusting little creatures. I mean, the poor guys are just trying to say, no, cool they are disgusting little creatures in the Miami uh, heat. Greasy. Okay. <laughs> Sick. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Well, Kat says that she's seen her neighbor give bags of dog food and even a roasted chicken to the vultures on several occasions. The Neighborhood Association president, Mr. Holness, says they've warned the woman, but they have limited options of what they can do because vultures are migratory birds protected by federal law. That's right. You can't shoot them. Can't kill them. Just yep. like the motherfucking crows. Got to leave them alone. Well, the crows, geese, and in my neighborhood here in Wichita... Two summers ago, we were overtaken by egrets. Man. And those things, I think they cash in a $100,000 fine per bird that you are found to have killed. That's crazy. So, yeah, it's nuts. And what's crazy is they used to migrate over by the zoo, which is probably about 10 miles from our house. But then they somehow managed to shoo them away, and they just migrate a little bit farther. But, I mean, the entire neighborhood, it just looked like... I don't know, another country, just all these huge white birds flying by. I like to call them pterodactyls because they're pretty big. But mm, Yeah. Holness said the vultures were not a problem in the neighborhood before this spring. He said they've contacted the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, and they've issued warnings to the neighbor, but the neighbor keeps ignoring it. People have suggested scaring them away with fireworks or balloons, but that doesn't seem to work. Don't feed Chief. the vultures, Ted. <laughs> she even tried putting out four fake owls that have the heads move and blinking eyes the vultures chewed the owls apart and ripped their heads off Damn. fuck you owl you cool. take no shit i just really except for their own shit i just really hope afterwards they just puked all over the you know <laughs> leftover plastic owls Blah! oh man there's your owl yes. back man <laughs> fucking gross <laughs> Uh, well, Steve, there might be a theme here. Why don't you continue on with your news? Word. Seems like all things are from the sky. Yeah. <laughs> so this one says, Woman frightened by Pennywise doll dropping into her yard sleeps with knife. Ooh. <laughs> uh, it says, A woman was frightened by a clown doll after it seemingly flew into her backyard over the weekend. It had blood around its mouth and strange black marks on its forehead. Renee Jensen of... Harrington Park, New Jersey, told WPIX. 
The doll, which is sold in stores, was Pennywise from Stephen King's books and the movie It. And happened to be looking up. I happened to be looking up, and we just saw this object come out of the sky. Chanson said, "What was it? Was it a bird? Was it a plane? No, it was a fucking cheesy ass Pennywise doll." <laughs> she and her boyfriend were sitting in the poolside on Saturday when it dropped beside her fence. She says it came from way too up high to be thrown by someone, and it did not fall through the tree branches that cover her backyard. So how it fell down, where it came from, is still a mystery. Probably a drone. It was scary yeah, right. because it just came out of nowhere. She said, I think anybody, even if it was in your front yard or somebody rang your doorbell and ran off, you'd be disturbed. No, I think it'd be fucking awesome. And I knew it'd be one of my friends fucking with me. She called police because <laughs> of the strange writing on the doll's forehead, and they came by to take a report. They wouldn't take the doll when it when they left, so Jensen said she fucking burned it and she took pictures of it. A sequel to the It movie is in September 6th. Jen says she'll probably see, skip seeing the new film for now. She slept with a knife by her bed that night, just in case. God. Wow. But it shows a picture uh, of of the doll, and it's like it's kind of like the one I have, the one that like moves, does a lot of weird yeah. dance and shit, or like kind of a, a cartoon pl- version, or there. like the plushie that you get from like one of the Walmart machines. And it does have some weird writing on it. It has zero zero eight TZ. No idea what what that could mean, but somebody did write on it. But I huh. I would think it probably was put on a drone and it fell off the drone. Yeah, it may have. But that's it. Still funny. Yeah. That's a little extreme though, sleeping with a knife over a, a doll. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, it is weird and it's it's extreme to you guys and, and myself because we're kind of desensitized to that. But imagine just some, you know, middle aged church going lady who's never watched the movie or, you know, let alone watched a horror movie. That's probably gonna be pretty terrifying. The Satanist dropped another possessed doll in our yard, Ted. Yeah, shit. Ted and his wife seem to have it pretty bad, Preston. Yeah, yeah poor guys. <laughs> well, let's keep our eyes in the skies, guys, because the last story I've got goes all the way to outer space. What? Russia has just launched a life-sized humanoid robot into space for the first time ever to help carry out tasks considered too dangerous for humans. The Skybot F-850 started its journey to the International Space Station at 2.38 a.m. London time on the 22nd when it lifted off from the Bakanor Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan aboard, aboard, aboard. aboard the Soyuz MS-14 spacecraft. The unpiloted spacecraft, which is expected to reach the ISS Sunday morning London time, was launched using the Soyuz 2.1A carrier rocket, which is now separated from the actual ship. Known as Fedor, the Skybot was developed by Russia's Androidnya Technika company and Foundation for Advanced Research Projects on behalf of the Russian state. The main purpose of this robot, guys, is basically to help people on spacewalks and other tasks or journeys that have been deemed way too dangerous for humans. And it's kind of badass, because you can see in a picture, if you're following along in the article, you can wear a VR headset and kind of like a VR hand and uh, kind of like a suit, basically an exoskeleton, and your movements are going to be mirrored by this robot. So it can either be controlled wirelessly like an AI suit or, you know, like a a VR suit, or it can actually work autonomously on its own. It's about 1.8 meters tall and weighs about 352 pounds. Russia's space agency said Fedor's journey marks 
the first flight of such an unusual astronaut into orbit. He'll stay in orbit for about two weeks before returning to Earth at the beginning of September. Wasn't this in the one that they also programmed to like fire a gun in space in case like they ever came across something dangerous, like it could weaponize <laughs> itself and you know go to town? I didn't hear anything about it shooting space lasers, but that'd be badass <laughs> if it was. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I want to say this is how it all ends, folks. This is the beginning. It's the Skynet. Yeah, I mean, pun intended. Little guy's gonna go to space, take out all the astronauts, take control of the ISS. And then, uh, guys, this is the prequel to Star Wars, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of R two D two, it's Fedor. Thanks, Russia. <laughs> right. Oh, but still, man, yay science! That's pretty badass. Yeah. Let's go ahead and shift gears here. I'm incredibly excited about this episode. Because presto, you're gonna jump from the you're gonna jump into the driver's seat and tackle the main story for the episode. Yikes! I don't know if this was such a wise <laughs> idea. I I think it is, buddy. I got faith in you. Oh, let's go ahead and change seats, man. I'm gonna put my feet up on the dash, and you get after it. All right. So and I got the hands. What <laughs> punk? Go on. So I decided to tack tackle the topic of aliens and Indians, not to be confused with the Cowboys and Aliens movie that came out a few years back. However, that was actually a pretty good movie. Like, I had low expectations <laughs> with that, right. and it had Daniel Craig and Han Solo, like, all in one, and it actually kind of does relate to the topic at hand, so... Been a lot if, of people shit on that movie. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, go watch it, because it's actually pretty good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. It wasn't bad. So there's a series of four books by art author Artie Sixkiller Clark that deals with firsthand accounts of Native people encountering with what they call star people, or what you and I and even you, Steve, might refer to as aliens. So the books mm -hmm. are Encounters with Star People, More Encounter with Star People, Sky People, The Untold Stories, and last but not least, more scary sky people to tell in the dark. Space <laughs> Age Indians, released just this year. Wow! Uh, hell yeah. yeah, dude! And since we just finished up Thieves in the Night, I thought this would be a great tie-in topic because it deals with aliens, folklore, abductions. But then once I cracked open the topic and got down to brass tacks, this shit really turned into my black hole of a Thieves in the Night never-ending three-part topic, and why would Sean do this to the listener again sort of thing? Like, I'm like, oh, man, like, this is going to be, like, three months where we're like, all right, guys, next episode. Wait, it's... why did Sean do nothing? <laughs> you told me you'd pick the topic. Sky Encounters Part 2, and then, like, five months later, <laughs> all right, guys. Because, I mean, there's there's just a lot to it. So, I mean. There is. And you know what? Like, are, I don't know if you're – were you going to talk about her accolades? Um, I – you know, if you want to do that toward the end of the episode, depending on how far we're in, because um, shit, there's a lot. So, well, let me just mention real quick then. Artie Six Killer Clark has been in the field of ufology for several years. She holds degrees in history, English, psychology, and educational leadership, and has a background as a teacher, an educator, a university professor, junior college and university administration 
She is a licensed therapist and a psychologist, a social science researcher, just to name a few. Jesus and Christ. Also, yeah, and she used to be the former director of the Center of Bilingual slash Multicultural Education. And she's also a Cherokee Choctaw, which you'll probably mention. But anyway, let's not I – just, I don't want people to think that she's this kook. Right. Like some of these people like Preston Nichols, you know. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay, there you go. There's the disclaimer. Yep. And, you know, and, and the other reason why I wanted to do this is because I'm really connected to this topic in a lot of ways. So, you know what? Fuck it. Daddy took the wheel, and we're going down this paranormal road, boys. <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I just wanted to make... I just want to make a quick note that this this whole episode, this is not going to be Encounters with Star People Part 1, but more like Encounters with Star People, the pre-sequel, because there's a lot of pre-seasoning <laughs> that needs yeah. to be done before you guys are ready for the meat and taters. So Okay. Well, give us some exposure there. Yeah. I'm basically pre-seasoning you this time around. Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so folklore is something I'm deeply connected to. You know, my art always ends up with a folk art vibe. And even this podcast, honestly, we're covering stories that in a lot of ways are nothing more than America's folklore. And yeah. let's be honest, Native American history is soaking wet in folklore, like mm -hmm. Bill Murray from Ghostbusters after he got slimed in that hotel. Like it's thick, it's wet, it's there. And sadly, due to ignorance and hate, a lot of that culture is being lost to the pages of history. Stories that have been passed down from memory from one generation to the ne next become lost as the tribes no longer exist. And as a kid, I was fascinated with Native American culture. My great-great-grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee. She ran away from the reservation and spent years, or spent her youth living off the land and finding shelter under a bridge until my great-grandpappy, Found her, taught her English, and married her. And I know that story sounds a little creepy, but folks, that's that's how I got to being. So we're gonna that's that's you know that's it. That's I mean, to be fair, that's how a lot of folks listening <laughs> and a lot of folks we know had, had their beginnings too. Yeah. And to top it all off, when I was born, the doctor that delivered me, Doctor Dyer, uh, was a, a Native American, and made the joke to my dad that, uh, you know, are you sure he's yours? Because we have another little Indian for the reservation right here. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I I did not look anything like my father. Like, the, the strong Native American genes uh, were out and running. So, you know, I, I stand out like the black sheep of my family. Blonde hair, blue eyes, pasty white skin is the norm. And here I come with black hair, dark brown eyes, and all year round tan that would make Billy the pool boy jealous. So that's what I'm working with, folks. And I'm <laughs> talking about Billy. Billy the pool boy from Stranger <laughs> Things. <laughs> uh, but simply put, the, the connection to my ancestors stands out, and maybe all of this is their way of seeding my fascination with the unusual and the strange. Aliens and good old Bigfoot, who's just part of the hairy people tribe that lives in the woods. So my hope with this episode, and maybe the next one, two, or three, five months down the road, whenever we finish it, is that you guys will have a deeper understanding and appreciation to a culture that is slowly slipping away. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, Steve, you're Indian, right? You got the card and everything. Yeah, Native American blood. I got uh, Miami Nation, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I'm a registered member of that tribe. It's pretty cool. So do you, do you know anything about star people? I, I do not. No, I do not. 
So if you Google star people, because I mm-hmm. think that this is a good place to start it off, is what the fuck are star people, right? So I Googled star people and hit search, and it comes up star people, also known as star seeds and sometimes indigo children, is a new age belief and fringe theory introduced by Brad Steiger in his early 1976 book, Gods of Aquarius. It argues that certain people were originated as extraterrestrials and arrived on Earth through birth or walk into existing human bodies. Wrong. Star people, (laughs) or star beings, is a Native American term for a race of beings that came down from the stars or also known as those from above, who are considered the ancestors of American Indians. Indeed. Yeah. So let's move on to DNA, because this is kind of an important part of this tale. Okay? Out of all the groups of people, uh, Native Americans' DNA stands out from the rest. It has no ties to any other ethnic group. And oddly, it is the one ethnic group that doesn't show up on a lot of DNA tests. And no, this doesn't have anything to do with the Elizabeth Warren thing. But then I actually clicked on one of the videos explaining why. I mean, my mom told me I was Native American. Why didn't it show up? And I'm like, oh, oh my God, is this like some you know crazy rabbit hole conspiracy tinfoil hat? I mean, there, there's what, what's going on, people. So I did a little research. Basically, this is what's going on, okay? DNA is a 50-50 split, which means you get half from mom and half from dad. So you inherit half of what dad has floating around, and the other half you inherit from what mom has floating around. Unless you're Freddy Krueger, then you're son of 100 maniacs. There you go. So you should DNA of all that. But this is not in equal (laughs) proportions, okay? So that means that the half that you get from dad, so let's say dad's, you know, has like a 40-30-20-10 mixture. I mean, if you did my math real quick, that should add up to 100 your half that you get from him can be all of the 10% or it can be your half, your 50% could be the 20% of what he has, or it can be a different mixture altogether. So you're just going to pick up half of something that he has, and you're going to get the other half of something your mom has. So it can be anything. (laughs) That being said, back when dark hair and dark eyes and olive skins turned up, the family, there was like this family myth that someone's great great granddad was full blooded Indian because we live close to Indian territory. So that's probably why the dark hair showed up. Whoop. Right. So it was just like this lie that got perpetuated because we didn't understand how DNA worked. And so, I mean, how else does little Billy, whose dad has blonde hair, how does he get the dark hair? Well, great great granddad was an Indian. So that, that, that kind of that cultural, not cultural, but that family history, that that false narrative gets passed down from generation to generation. You got and, real quick a sideline story. You guys want to hear a funny story? I think it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my grandfather is Native American blood. His his dad and so forth, so forth, so forth. Had it. I don't know where that came into play throughout our our heritage, but it is. My grandmother is a mystery. My grandfather married my grandmother when they were both like 21, 22. No pictures whatsoever. Nothing. Ever since huh. my dad has known his mom, well, she's passed now, but she'd always wear a bandana. Every time I see her, bandana. She was kind of mm, a little little darker skin. She looked like what we came when we came to, because like I have, I have naturally um, tan skin. 
and that's because of Native American blood plus um, being raised in California, and we were just like sun sun bleached like all the time. Fuck you, so, Billy the Pool Boy. Me, yeah. Steve, know where it's at. <laughs> yeah, so so like it's always been there. And then and then when we came to Kansas, saw my grandma. And I was like, okay, well that's also where it came from too. Thinking that's what it was. Uh, my grandfather was an extremely racist guy, like very racist, yeah. but enjoyed his interracial porn. That's a, that's a story for another time. Which is hilarious. <laughs> I think uh, that has to do with like a dominance kink. But yeah. go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny, but. Uh, so my grand, my grandfather and grandma, they had that same relationship, you know, like the woman's supposed to clean, the man's supposed to work, blah, 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 you know, old school shit. And um, so he was like always kind of like really harsh with her and she's real meek and quiet, didn't really talk much. Uh, probably about, probably about 10 years now, um, my aunt Kathy is digging through some old boxes and she finds his interracial porn. No, no. <laughs> From what we know, the only picture of my grandmother in her family. Whoa. And it has a picture of her brother. She's the only girl. Brother, brother. White, white as white, 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 white as fuck. Blonde hairs, blue eyes, white. Well, she had like four brothers. White, 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 blonde hair. And then her nappy head, darker skin. Yep. Wow, we're almost positive that she has African American, uh, something somewhere. I don't know how. I don't know how that worked. Really, but, which is why she had the bandana. Which is why she had the bandana, and she was hiding that because she was terrified of showing that. And like, we're almost like, like, I mean, we're trying to spin it as much as we can of like that's why she was the way she was, like really quiet and meek, hiding out. She didn't want any like buddy to know. And then, and then if he held that, if like my grandpa held that against her, or if he even knew, like. Because mm-hmm. like this like picture was like hidden in in like this book in a lockbox in another box like it was like wow. she really wanted to keep it secret so so when you're talking about DNA and shit like it's funny not to like go down the rabbit hole here or any disrespect could there be a chance that maybe she wasn't biologically his like maybe he picked her up somewhere yeah I mean yeah like right like who who knows <laughs> I mean I those, those time that time the, that time period yeah. Yeah, and she happen. might. Yeah, and she might not even know it either. It's weird. Wow. Who knows, man? Dude. But I said that when he was talking about like the whole different, you know, um, mixtures and the ratios and shit like yeah. that. It's a real thing. Huh. And that's you know that explains why like it showed up in me because it's from my mom's side. But then my brother, he got more of what's on my dad's side. So I mean, he just looks like a you know like a pasty white Scotsman. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then the other thing that happens, of course, is that the timelines get confused. So like Mm -hmm. in my story, I was always told that it was my great grandmother. But then I got on Ancestry.com. I spent like months looking at the census records and found out that it was my great great grandmother. And when you start going further back, by the time you get to the current generation, that percentage of DNA is diluted. And the common tests don't pick up on anything less than 2%. So, like, if it ends up being, like, 1.5% African-American, 1.5% Native American, it actually won't show up on your DNA test because it's not enough to be considered anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that you're not. It just means that it's further back than what you thought. So, and the reason, anyways, the reason why I bring this up is because Native Americans claim that 
their uh, uniqueness to their DNA is due to the fact that they share DNA with the star people, which is what separates them from other ethnic groups. And they're not the only ones to claim this. Some people from the Hebrew faith have claimed that their ancestors come from outer space too, making space Jews and space Indians a real thing. So what does science (laughs) have to say about that? Well, during the Ice Age, science... The land bridge that connects Europe to North America was populated with groups of people all over Europe. If you look at satellite radar imagery, that that area is actually just a huge landmass underwater now. But at that time, uh, there was no need to migrate further into North America. It was temperate. Um, it had good fishing. You know, it was a nice place to be, and it became a melting pot of different people, just like America today. So, yeah. So generations of mixing eventually led to a new DNA group of people, which are now what we known or know as American Indians. But you know what? Fuck you, science. I have enough American Indian and Hebrew DNA that I rather like thinking of myself as an Indian space Jew. <laughs> Some people call me the space cowboy. Wow, wow. Sadly, no one calls me the gangster of love. He literally wrote out these fucking lyrics. Oh my God. Sean's a joker. Steve's a smoker. He's a midnight toker. My version of the song's got listeners on the road. He wrote these fucking lyrics out, people. I'm I'm like, serious. I mean, I thought thought those were pretty solid lyrics. I I take back my, I like reading along. Oh, that's funny. Uh, anyway, so why did I bring all this up? Well, in the preface of uh, Encounters with Star People, Artie goes on to say, when I first learned about the Star People was when my grandmother told me that the ancient legends of my people, my childhood reality included narratives that traced the origins of the indigenous people of the Americas to the Pleiades, stories of little people who intervened in people's lives and legends about the magical gift of DNA of the Star People that flowed through the veins of the indigenous tribes of the earth. I embraced the stories of the celestial visitors who lived among Indian people as part of my heritage. Indigenous people almost universally regard the star people as their ancestors. This preparation alone allows for the interaction without fear and helps explain the uniqueness of the encounters and experiences. I walked with these individuals who told their stories. I listened to their encounters of a different kind. I questioned them, but in the end, I believed. So that's pretty powerful right there. Uh And it should really be no surprise that the norm for native legends was to reference the sky, you know, ancient interactions with those who dwell in the sky, or even a large group of them, you know, fixated around the formation of Pleiades due to events on Earth. That constellation, in fact, pops up with some regularity among ancient native peoples. In part, we might assume due to the outdoor nature of native cultures with the sky, particularly the night sky, looming overhead so mysterious and unavoidable that they as a culture are more susceptible to the experience uh, the, to experience the phenomenon akin to the modern-day smoker, which, if you have no idea what I'm talking about there, they say that 9 out of 10 smokers are more likely to experience UFO phenomenon versus somebody who doesn't smoke because they spend so much time outdoors, like during the wintertime, during the summer nights, because, you know, you can't smoke indoors anymore. So they're outside smoking late at night, looking up at the stars, and because they're in that environment, they're more likely to witness those events versus somebody who spends their whole life indoors never looking up to the sky. So where are we going next? 
folklore, my favorite thing. A Lakota legend speaks of seven maidens being chased by a bear. On their knees, they prayed for divine intervention, the result being that the ground beneath them erupted high into the air, lifting them out of harm's way. As the bear clawed at the risen ground, the result was Devil's Tower in Wyoming, the bear's claw having carved vertical geological features into the rock and the seven maidens having been installed above as the Pleiades. The Hopi believe their ancestors came from the Pleiades, the place or people they call the Chuhuka'an, or those who cling together, a reference, it seems, to that tightly grouped starry cluster, as it appears to the naked eye. Likewise, early Dakota legends speak of the Pleiades as Tayame, as the abode of the ancestors. Other native oral histories or legends speak of an origin, if not in the Pleiades, then in the stars or other constellations. For example, the Cree arrived on Earth from stars as spirits and then became human beings. Others, including the Lakota, speak not necessarily of star people, but mysterious beings coming from above as spears of light. Then they, and that in turn, abduct children. Thieves in the night. Yep, it all comes around. See, little <laughs> reference right there, yeah. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, not to jump the gun here, but the Native Americans have rich, rich folklore with little people and fey folk, the Pukwudgie, um, all these different creatures that were stalking the land, supposedly, or, or coming out of the sky. Yeah. And that's what makes it so fascinating, again, uh, with these in the night, is saying that all this phenomenon... Through classic, uh, you know, folklore and all these cultures, it's all kind of the same thing. Aliens, fairies, demons, it, it all might be the same uh, phenomenon. The same phenomenon, phenomenon. <laughs> so I found an expert from modern uh, times, and I thought this was interesting. So a prominent Lakota from Fort Peck Reservation of Montana, um, he was being interviewed because um, a couple of years ago when Ancient Aliens came out, like this idea of, you know, the star people and um, all, all the different, you know, uh, mm-hmm. ancient alien connections, like started kind of start, started to get that culture back into the mainstream. So they were interviewing right. a lot of people about it. And basically this Lakota guy uh, said that, um, you know, he's all for the, the American Indian movement. Um, you know, but he doesn't accept the notions of star people as spiritual beings due to his traditional Christian and native beliefs and said that he knows of no such beings. I never heard of the star people stories until just recently, until recently when folks started watching ancient aliens on the history channel. And as far as I'm concerned, they are all made up when I, what I have been told by the chiefs of, of Dakota and Lakota, as well as Northern Cheyenne is that we are all born with a spirit helper. I don't think my creator would like it very much that someone was buzzing around outside of a spaceship and that was considered one of his helpers. The tribal person uh, then conveyed what his beliefs, uh, the, the beliefs of his people do hold in regards to extraterrestrial phenomenon. We do talk about folks coming down to earth in round shaped objects or balls of light from the sky. I was told by the elders that we had to use sacred songs to protect against these folks as they stole Indian people and mainly our children. More thieves in the night. <laughs> okay, so let's travel back in time a little bit 
because I want to hit on something about vanishing tribes. So do you guys know that we have pyramids in the United States? Yes, I did know that, actually. Where at? In Illinois, motherfucker. <laughs> so the uh, Shahoka Indians, um, basically America's pyramids, they're now mostly dirt mounds. But in 1000 AD, the Shahoka had a vast metropolis built atop pyramid mounds consisting of 20,000 people, which around 1350 AD had abandoned the area without a trace. So all of a sudden, like, we start doing these archaeological digs and we can't find any evidence of why they disappeared. They were having, you know, they had this vast population. They had roadways. They had all these different river networks. And they were this metropolis. There's all these really great pottery shards. And then, bam, it's like they just kind of disappeared without a trace. <laughs> but that's not uncommon, though, because of the Anasazi so the Anasazi homeland is an area Aziz roughly. Sorry, what? <laughs> Aziz and sorry homeland. No Anasazi, <laughs> come on, stay up, Steve. Or keep up. Stay up. I know I'm tired as fuck. <laughs> okay, so an area roughly corresponding to the four corners, uh, which include Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico. This is a thirty thousand square mile landscape of sandstone canyons, mesas, which were populated by as many as thirty thousand people. So that's uh, the the area of like uh, the desert where like uh, you go into the canyons and they have all the different like homes that were perfectly preserved. Again, right. like these people just disappeared without a trace, and for the longest time nobody could kind of figure it out. And eventually, archaeologists were like, "Well, it had to be because they ran out of water because there's really no water around anywhere, and you can't survive without water." So they probably, the water dried up and they were like, let's get the fuck out of Dodge. So, water. you know, that's the best that they can come up with, right? But there might be a biblical connection, a lot like Thieves in the Night, on what happened to these guys. So all the rock art from around the Four Corners area reveals some very compelling characteristics, which, without a doubt, seem to tell tales about what actually was taking place in that region. The Anazazi, who ironically disappeared when the habit of writing also suddenly ceased, used images and symbols similar, similar to those found globally that connect to a first and second inclusion of giants and the monstrous gateways their creators came through. What is amazing is how the ancient images show some of the same qualities and information mentioned in the Bible. The similarities are astonishing by and by no means can or should be dismissed by simple ancient graffiti. For there to be symbols of spirals, which are almost always associated with portals, giant six-toed footprints. So they actually found, like, cast in the dirt, Mm -hmm. six-toe footprints. Not five toes, not four toes, not little weird, creepy alien three toes, but big six-motherfucking-toe footprints in the the ground next to five-toe footprints. And it Giants being recorded as being in the area, um, you know, it can't be coincidence because they're all mm-hmm. over the place. Choctaw legends, very similar, also report that their people crossed the Mississippi River and they met a powerful race of cannibals who came from the east. The Sioux say that the earth was originally populated by giants who were three times the size of modern man. They, too, say that giants were wiped out by a great flood Navajo legends also uh, tell of great giants that used to wander the land, 
And they also say that giants used to live in the Grand Canyon, and they were uh, 10 to 18 feet. 10 to 18 feet tall, which is kind of weird because there was that whole Smithsonian conspiracy when they found these, like, you know, 10 to 15 foot tall graves hidden in the mountains mm-hmm. and they had, like, Egyptian artifacts and shit buried in it. And the Smithsonian's like, dude, this is too freaky. The, the mainstream can't know about this. <laughs> we got to so, get out of here. We got to get out of here. So they hid all that shit away. So it's like, holy hell. And there was, like, this, this tale of, like, a, a prospector who owned some of the land. And like he was trying to find like uh, where the, the the entrance to the cave was, but mm-hmm. he was coming on Navajo land, and they said, "Dude, if you don't fucking get off our land, like you, you're gonna regret it." And so they they caught him trying to like find the cave again, and like I guess he came upon some like secret uh, Navajo ritual, and so they gouged out both his eyeballs and like sent him on his way. And that's all he would say about it. He was like, I'm not allowed to talk about it because I'm missing both of my eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a case of uh, Buffalo Bill Cody saying he met a Pawnee Indian that actually was carrying uh, what the surgeon uh, with Buffalo Bill had said was a femur of a male skeleton, and the size of the femur meant the body it belonged to had to have been over 15 feet tall. Creepy. Oh. Yep. I mean, and shit like the the Paiutes, the uh, the Sioux, uh, the Navajos. They all have legends about giants. Yeah. So it's kind of creepy. So my thoughts are, you know, the Anasazi, uh, they they might have opened up that uh, portal and went back home with the Star People. Like they got the fuck out of Dodge. Like shit's about to get flooded. Um, you know, yeah. the Hopi have legends that uh, things get created, destroyed, created, and destroyed again. Mm-hmm. So in their legends, they they talk about how, you know, they're the chosen chosen people. And so, like, when the Earth gets destroyed again, the star people are going to come back down and wisp them away. Right. Well, what's interesting is that flood you're speaking of, if you uh-huh. want to go on a kind of a conspiracy theorist point of view, the flood may not have been a legitimate water flood. The flood that wiped out the giants very well could have been the European flood of the white man. Ooh. Because there is a lot of, um, there's cave paintings, there's tapestries and whatnot that were made showing Native Americans sitting around a campfire in a circle and then extremely large characters sitting with them, sometimes in the center of the circle, and they were all looking up at the sky. And the Maybe sky. Bigfoot. <laughs> it could have been. But they also have these these legends of, flying shields from what we can tell from um, you know tales being passed down and a lot of people think that the flying shields could have been these crafts or these uh, light spheres that came down from the heavens containing the star people and then when the European settlers came they not only wiped out these giants but they also wiped out you know fucking what millions of Native Americans thus taking away that folklore and that rich history yeah and when Europeans came to the U.S. and they saw these supposed giants, they're just like, holy shit, we can't go back and tell, you know, uh, my history is a, a little fuzzy, but, you know, can't go back and tell the queen, so to speak. There's fucking giants, you know, in America. So a lot of those tales were squashed. Yeah. And, suppo- and supposedly uh, it was at, uh, uh, I think it was Abe Lincoln that was giving a speech somewhere did you and, say Abe Lincoln? Abe Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> and uh, 
he was giving a speech around some burial mounds and he kept making reference to giants and giant people. And so that kind of fuels that conspiracy. Um, the, I can't think of the name in the, the, on of the Island. It's off the coast of California. Um, Oh, the Catalina, the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Uh, <laughs> the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Did you fucking take my note? Did you yeah. bust my note? There's, <laughs> there's a museum there, and apparently when um, they were building stuff on that island, they uncovered graves upon graves of giant bones. And for the longest time, the museum on that island actually had them on display, and then they like just mysteriously disappeared. So... Wow. Catalina fucking wine mixer. Catalina fucking wine mixer. So, man, that's that's really that's all I got as far as like giants, DNA, and uh folklore. But uh before I, I delve deep into encounters with star people, I came across a uh, a quick tale uh from the famous Ogallala Sioux holy man, Black Elk. Oh, and uh, he lived from uh, 1863 to 1950. And he once said, So when I went on a vision quest, that disc came from above. The scientists call that a unidentified flying object. But that's a joke, see, because they are not trained. They lost contact with the wisdom, power, and gift. So that disc landed on top of me. It was concave. And there was another one on top of that. It was silent, but it lit and luminesced like neon lights. Even the sacred robes that were luminesced and those tobacco ties lying there lit up like little light bulbs. Then these little people came, but each little group spoke a different language. They could read minds. So, and I could read their minds. There, so there was silent communication, like when you read it in a book, those silent symbols. We were able to communicate. They were human, so I welcomed them, and I said, welcome, welcome. So that's kind of weird, because that came from the, the late 40s, early 50s, before he died. And uh, that, uh, that was really before, you know, abduction stories and the modern-day UFO phenomenon took off like it is now. Huh. But it's just so eerily similar and has has a lot to it. Right. And what's funny is we're really kind of, I don't want to say we're just now learning about this, but again, if you go back to the idea that Indians were such peaceful uh, tribes, more or less, and all these talks of star people coming down and helping them with their technology and everything else, there's a lot of theorists out there that say... Um, the human race was on the verge of having huge, again, you know, if you want to think about Egyptians and aliens and all that kind of shit, Native Americans, uh, we were on the verge of, again, huge technological advances. And then right around the time the Europeans invaded the U.S., supposedly our star people saw this and just thought, what the fuck? Like, this is completely different than we thought. But a lot of people believe they were attracted to the simple lives and the good nature of Native Americans. And you could talk about peace pipes and getting high and vision quests if you want to believe that, you know, aliens, so to speak, are interdimensional beings. Then, I mean, your Native Americans may have a lot closer ties to these these beings because they're, yeah. I mean, they're high. 
you know, for mm-hmm. lack of better, they were in tune with a whole different plane of existence than us. <clears throat> so it's interesting. And again, you know, you wipe out the vast majority of these Native Americans and I mean, there goes any oral proof of this stuff happening, and then we have to decipher cave paintings and yeah, you know, other stuff. So, and that's that's kind of that's what made Artie's work stick out because, in a way, she is trying to save these traditions. And um, when you when she goes and she interviews the these people, it it's not like they're very forthcoming with this information. So it's kind of like yeah. that guy that said, "Well, you know, the natives." Um, you know, the elders, they never, I, I, I mean, it's not like I really believe in that sort of thing. Like, I don't want to say that <laughs> aliens are star people, but I mean, aliens take our kids, but they're not my ancestors. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, they're, they're very particular about who they tell the, this information to. And so for her, she really had to go out and like earn their trust. So there would be times where somebody said they had a story for her. And she would go out for like months just having dinner with them and until they felt like she was part of their family and she could be trusted with this information, they wouldn't tell her dick. They were just like, all right, see you Tuesday for steak. And then she'd have to come back out again. <laughs> You're paying, right, Artie? Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so she, she, you know, there were times where she said like, you know, there'd be this old elder that would give me like something sacred from his family. And that was a sign that he respected me and knew that he could trust me with this information. And so for her, this this series of books is her preserving that part of her culture um, so that future gener- generations, you know, know that it happened, that it's a real deal. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited to kind of crack open the book a little more and start wow. talking about, you know, flying saucers and Roswell and time slips and uh, Native American country stars that go on intergalactic, you know, journeys. So. <laughs> You have, I, I gotta say, you have to have just given like some of the best cliffhanger trailers <laughs> for the next episode because yeah. now I'm intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot about this shit and I'm intrigued. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Well, killer job on that so far, man. Do you yeah. want to go ahead and jump into the next episode and just continue on then? Or do you want to be like me and take like a fucking 15 episode break? <laughs> nah, I mean, fuck it. Let's just let, let's hit it and quit it, you know? <laughs> well, it's still hot. Hell yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Well, I can't wait to get back into it. Yeah. Gonna be tight. Yeah. Well, um, let's plug some stuff and get out of here because it's damn near been an hour. Yeah. Steve, what are you watching, dude? You watching anything good? I uh, just got done with the boys. Boys. Which is pretty fucking amazing. Person hasn't yeah. finished it yet, but. Yeah, I mean, I'll get to it's it. Pretty badass. I just now uh, watched uh, Valerian in the City of a Thousand Fucking Aliens or whatever that movie was called. I love that movie. Uh, it's pretty. It's got some good eye candy in it. Like, yeah. wow, is it pretty good? Yeah, yeah. I dug it. Huh? Okay. It really is like the sequel to uh, the Fifth Element. Oh, nice. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime right now, included with your Amazon Prime account. Shit. Yeah, I got to get on your uh, Voodoo one of these nights and watch Brightburn as well. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think I might do that this weekend. Oh yeah, well we are about two episodes away from finishing up Mindhunter season two, which has been pretty good. So good. Yeah, pretty good so far. Hell yeah. And then now we're on, of course, a two-week stretch between now and It Chapter 2, so that's going to be pretty fucking Fuck good. Yeah, I'm ordering my... What I'm doing right now, I'm getting all of my cart. I'm getting my gloves, my <laughs> new wig, and then some better makeup. Penny Steve. Well, Steve, do you want to plug any shows right now before we get out of here? Uh, Yeah, uh, Mindhunter. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm, getting, I'm watching right now. It's pretty cool watching uh, a lot of it. Talk about Park City, Wichita, BTK stuff. 
Yeah, um, that is very interesting. I still got to read that book, man. A serial killer's daughter. Yeah, I'd love to read that. Yeah, I'll let you borrow it when I'm finished up. Fuck yeah. And my favorite murder book. All right, man. Any podcast you want to plug? Anything fancy you've been listening to? No, no. Just listen to the same old ones. Uh, listen to Joe Rogan's and Joey Diaz's podcast and Conan's. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll plug Conan's. Conan's is really good. He does, right now, they're getting ready to launch season two, but until then, they're doing a, every Sunday or Monday, they release a new episode. They're called their Deep Dives with Dana Carvey. And they yeah. just go over a bunch of uh, impressions and stuff. And it's really, really good. Yeah. I listened to the first half of the uh, first episode. It's pretty funny. Well, guys, check out our buddy Mark's solo cast, Pixelated Sausage. Check out his video game series, Attack the Backlog, where he plays a bunch of old games, makes some really great jokes. And then, Preston, what's my favorite race car podcast? Sports Cars Unleashed, where if you're not first, you're last. <laughs> Hell yeah. Shake and bake, baby. Shake and bake. I like how we make their own call-outs for them at <laughs> <laughs> all. So, yep, check out our buddy Evan and the guys over at Manaverse Podcast, and then uh, check out our friends over at Gunslinger Soap as well. Yeah. And listen, guys, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a beard that will make other people jealous of your DNA, check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPA. R-A, for 20% off your order. And use it to get scents like Dundee Cedar, Citrus, Fresh, Classic, Bay Rum, Sweet Tobacco. Get it all. Get it at Dobbs and rock out the beard. Fuck there yeah. we go. All right. Well, I don't think there's anything else to plug, boys. So uh, that's it for now. We will catch you guys all next time and get into some of that uh, that deeply weird Native American alien shit. Yeah. So say spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.